new beginning. Okay, welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram, alongside our special guest host, Jade Carling Black. Jade, how are you today? I'm well. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, thanks for asking. Josh never asked me that question, you know. So, um, so yeah, today we have a special guest with us, uh, Jen Trussell. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm just going uh, <laughs> to give a little background because you have a very interesting background. You know, your life has been about death. Uh, you're mm-hmm. a fifth generation funeral director. You became licensed as a funeral director in 2004. And you currently still hold your valid license. Um, in 2012, you completed your yoga teaching training. And additionally, you studied energetics and intuition. Um, in 2013, you developed a holistic grief yoga program, which is amazing. And you have a website called uh, heartshealing.me. So www.heartshealing.me. So yeah, we, we were, me and Jade were just talking really briefly. And, you know, it's so interesting to see your background as a funeral director. Yeah, it's um, interesting is a word I get a lot. <laughs> um, people are either really freaked out about it or really interested in it. So yeah, it's something that's really natural to me. I, I literally grew up in a funeral home, so um, I've uh, been very aware of the death industry, if you want to call it that, for my whole life. We had uh, we had a question about that actually. Um, like you know, it's it's very interesting to see someone kind of be in a situation where you are fifth generation uh no i mean um yeah it's uh it's it's a very small town that i come from so um my great great uh grandfather literally came from uh ireland and was one of the founders of the town that i'm in and uh and he started the business the family business so that was five generations ago wow so did you feel like it was a natural progression like a progression into that like it was just kind of like the course of things or did you have to kind of convince yourself that, that that's what you wanted to do or did you feel like growing up like this is what I'm going to do and it's kind of non-negotiable um yeah it, it was very much um it was very much something I, I always wanted to do I remember dressing up when I was very young I think it was career day in school and I was maybe in grade five I think um and I dressed up in it as a funeral director <laughs> um which is kind of <laughs> kind of nerdy now that I think back about it but um no, it was it was very much um it was very much something I always wanted to do growing up, yeah. Very interesting. And what kind of reactions do you get from people when you tell them? Like you said some people are freaked out by it and and other people, you know, think it's interesting and cool. I'm just curious to to know some of the, you know, more specific reactions or questions you get from people when you tell them that you're involved in that industry because um not everyone takes to that the same and I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, it, it's very interesting. It's changed a lot as I've um, as I've grown up. I mean, coming from a small town, I went to school with the same people for from grade kindergarten to grade eight. So um, it really didn't become apparent to me that it, it was even um, an odd thing that I grew up in the funeral home until I was in high school um, and right. people started finding out. <laughs> Um, that I didn't grow up with. So, um, you know, in high school, it was weird questions like, oh, how do you heat your house? You know, do you have the crematorium there? And um, how do you sleep at night? And that kind of thing. And it's very kind of of kidding around, but I guess it kind of came from not knowing much about uh, the funeral home industry. As I got older, it's it's much more of um, a philosophical conversation that gets started. Okay. like, again, people, and you can kind of gauge, I guess, from that, like, if where people stand where they're with their own 
um, right. feelings right. on grief, right? So absolutely. The ones, yeah, the ones who are kind of freaked out about it, you go, okay, <laughs> you have things to work through, which is cool. We all do. And then the other ones are, you know, generally tell me a story about they just lost someone close to them or a friend of theirs just lost someone close to them or, um, oh, I've always really thought it was an interesting business to get into, that kind of thing. And what would you say is the most, like the most gratifying or rewarding aspect of working in that industry? It's If if you had to narrow it it down and and name (laughs) one or two. Yeah, it, it's tricky. It's, um, I mean, definitely helping people. I mean, that's above and beyond when it really comes down to it, when you can affect lives. And that's the major thing. But as, as, the, as the world's changed, too, over my lifetime, that's something that's sort of become more difficult, in a sense, too, because the industry has really changed more into a business framework as opposed to a, a service framework where right. you're, you're just there offering a service for the family. So. Yeah, it's definitely helping people. Early early on when you were, you know, kind of growing up as a kid and seeing your, your family business, your family trade, whatnot, how did your parents have those conversations with you about grief and loss and seeing what's around you? Because, I, I mean, I, I'm not really, you know, I, I'm not really sure. Like when I, my experiences in funeral homes are kind of limited in that capacity. You know, you go in, see you know, a lot of people mourning and crying and whatever, and then you kind of leave. But, you know, you you kind of see it so often and maybe as a kid you saw it so often. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, absolutely. My parents, um, and to their credit, um, and I, I will say this always, it's not something they hid from me, which sounds kind of obvious. You can't really hide that when you live in it. <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of people do try and shield kids from the realities of death. And in my, my case, there's uh, I remember being, I think I was about six, um, and there was a, a little girl who passed away who was the same age as me. I don't, I didn't know her, but, um, you know, I saw the smaller casket because it was in our garage. <laughs> Again, just kind of part of my day to day. And I remember talking to my, my mom about that and conversation went something like, um, how do people die? And she said, well, their heart stops. <laughs> and uh, it kind of went from there. So she, it was very matter of fact. The grieving part is a little more tricky. My parents were always, or still are, very much a um, that's life and life goes on kind of mentality, which kind of leaves that up to sort of figure it out a bit on my own. But we all have to do that. It's um, it's not something you can, uh, whether you're told specifically how to grieve, you still have to work through your journey on your own in that too. So, And it, it's difficult. I mean, my parents have been there close to 40 years, maybe a a little, maybe 42 years. So when you're in it every day and you have that much, that much heaviness, that much intenseness, it's hard to kind of process each one before the next one comes on. So it's been, again, something that I look back over my life that I'm able to sort of sort through and stuff, but they definitely laid the, the groundwork very well, I think. Well, I think that's very, you know, in it's it's interesting. I mean, it, it difficult and and positive, like all in the same breath. Just because when I was a kid, like we never, it was exactly like exactly what you said. It was hidden from. It's like nobody kind of talks about it, and it's just this you know mysterious aspect of life. And and so I felt sh- shielded from that. And so I think there's something to be said in being exposed to that early, even though some people think that that's you know can be inappropriate and stuff. But I think 
moving forward into adulthood, having that platform to be able to talk about those things. I think it prepares you for a lot of things in life, not just death and, and dealing with death because it's it's going to happen eventually. I mean, we're all going to lose somebody and, and that's that's where we're all headed. So I think I think it's kind of like just, you know, having that exposure, it, it kind of, you know, matures you in, in in a different way, and so I, I can see how that would be, you know, almost helpful. I mean, it's not like I wish my childhood was filled with, you know, conversations about death, but in a way, kind of, because, you know what I mean, it, 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 I feel like that would have prepared me, you know, a little better for some of the things that I experienced when I was 16, and then all those yeah. questions coming up, and yeah. um feeling so removed from all that, like, what is going on, and the confusion, and, and I think, too, like, when you're younger, there's a little bit of an of an innocence there, and so your pers- your perspective around death is it might be a little more you know compassionate. When we're older and we're and we're just learning about that for the first time, there might be some other personality stuff that can set in as we as we get as we get older. If you know what I mean by that. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our ego takes over a lot more when we're older. Yes, that's to, right. To impose it. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's, you know, you bring up the, there's so many interesting points within, you know, what you say, because um, I always tell people, and I'm a firm believer, I've got two girls myself. Um, my oldest is six and my youngest is two and a half. And we don't give kids enough credit, you know, nowadays. Yeah. Um, they're so smart. So whether we're trying they know that we're trying to hide something from them, first of all. Of course um, they do. <laughs> they, 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 they just, of course. <laughs> it's like, that's part of their job as kids, I think, just to realize when we're trying to hide stuff. Yes, like, candy or... like little little Sherlock Holmes. And, and I feel like, yeah, they're like, like Mom, you're just, like, we know this. Don't try and spare us. I think, I think it's, it becomes totally. more about protecting ourselves than them absolutely and yeah yeah. and they their intuition is so high because so like if you're you know trying to hide that you're sad they can sense that so I mean I'm a firm believer in giving them the vocabulary because even if they don't understand um, the ramifications of death at that age as they grow they'll have the vocabulary to kind of put in place as they experience it Right, 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 um, and then and, and and then put labels to and and be able to express that, and you know, and and as they move forward, they can attach meaning to those labels and emotion to those labels, and and you know, it makes for high emotional intelligence. Kids being able to express themselves and call something what it is, and and not have to have to. I totally agree with you. I feel like yeah. children are a lot more intelligent than we give them credit for, and and a lot more capable too of offering us support that we may need as as adults because we often like I said have a lot of other stuff in the way and they're more centered uh, around simplicity and can be you know weirdly optimistic as well so yeah and and it's it's funny because you again the ego comes in and um I know um, our neighbor's uh, dog passed away before Christmas maybe it was around Thanksgiving and it's you know it's been part of the kids the whole life right and uh, I was like oh gosh I have to tell them about Nikki and I was worried about my my five and a half year old at the time and I'm like (laughs) I sat her down and I was very serious and like thinking about the words and I said honey Nikki went to heaven she's like what does that mean (laughs) I said it means that she died she's like oh what are we having for dinner (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, okay, so we're moving on from that. 
it sets the framework. And I think, would you know, what do you want? Where do you want your children to learn from? Do you want them to learn from school, other kids, TV, or do you want to be the person who's teaching them and guiding them these things? Because they're going to learn it either way. I tell the, I told the story before, but when my grandfather passed away, you know, I was young. I think I don't know, eight, nine, or something like that. And uh, we were at the funeral home, and you know, my mom was encouraging me that if I wanted to, I could, you know, touch my grandfather's hand or like, you know, his, his suit or whatever it is, because I, you know, it seems like she understood that that's okay. That's important too, as well to help with the process. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that, that's, um, that's like a whole other, um, can of worms, if you want to say, um, I mean, our society now, and I, I feel a bit preachy about this and sometimes I have to, <laughs> Watch that I don't go too crazy about it, but our society now really isn't built for grieving. And it's, I, I think it has to do with, um, you know, our advances in, for anything from our advances in medical research to um, technology to coming away from the land. I mean, my mom grew up on a farm and my dad grew up, I mean, in small town farmland. Um, death was all around them. It, it happened, you know. I was at the um, Ontario Bereavement uh, Conference Network. <laughs> so, so bad with that, all these names. Um, it was a, a, a networking conference through Bereavement uh, Ontario last year. And it was really interesting. The keynote speaker was talking about how our perception of death has changed since, since the introduction of uh, hospitals. Um, people went from dying at home to surrounded by family to dying sometimes alone in a hospital bed. And even if you flash forward to today, I mean, doctors in palliative care are worried about um, terminal cancer patients being um, addicted to morphine um, as they're dying. So our perception of society and death has really kind of been muddled up. Um, and so it's, it's, I think it's sometimes unclear how we're supposed to grieve. Um, especially my generation and a bit older, there isn't that conversation, there isn't that tangible experience with death like there was even 50 years ago. You know, and I think you hit it on the head with that aspect of society at large, communities at large, you know, we're not, we're just huge cities and whatnot, and you know, we've, we've kind of extracted everything and put them in their own place, and, you know, even down to animals where we're getting our food from the grocery store, we're, you know, bringing it home, yeah. we're eating it. We don't really understand where that animal came from, the process that it took, and whatnot, and, you know, that's one reason we have this podcast is to kind of get back to being a community of some sorts, being back to, getting back to being some sort of, you know, a group of individuals that are there for each other to heal, Rather than just, you know, isolated pockets of uh, people, you know, dealing with it best they suit, the, be the best way they can. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I even see it in my hometown. I mean, I, I again, when I talk about my hometown, it's more like one of those hamlets, you know, when you drive through, you blink and you miss it. <laughs> um, it's very, very small. Um, and... But there's beauty in that, too, because, you know, there's tragedy that happens in families that, you know, sometimes would be not talked about. But there's an understanding in the community that you don't have to. You just know what happened. You know the circumstances that led up to it because you're so in such close proximity with everyone's lives. So when tragedy strikes, I mean, people bring food. You know, you don't have to go into work until you're ready. You know, and there's not that you're allowed to grieve you're you under people understand that you're not going to be okay for a while 
and it's very different in bigger cities, I think, um, where you're more removed from the community. Those are all very good points. So I have a question because I'm really curious about mm-hmm. how you made the jump from funeral director and so how did that connection with with yoga occur? Like what happened in your head that made you feel like this? I need to jump here, I need to make this connection to to yoga? Because just when I think of those two things, I'm just like, oh, it, they're, they're not seemingly correlated in, 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 in right. any really distinct way. <laughs> right. Well, I um I worked in in Toronto for almost ten years, and then and then I had my first daughter. Okay. And uh, so that was a huge transition in itself. Um, and funeral home, it was it's very kind of um, logistics at this point. Funeral home schedules are not Monday to Friday. And right. my husband right. actually works. He's a cameraman. He works in the the uh, media industry, so he's all over the place. So we made the decision together that I was going to stay home. And it, um, yeah, I think I lasted maybe four months at home, not really like just being at home. <laughs> and right. then I was like, okay, I need to do something What's next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <that's right. laughs> so I've been practicing yoga since I was about 20, 21. And uh, that was the sort of next step where I'm like, okay, well, I'll do my teacher training. That way I can go out a couple of hours a week here and there and still make a bit of money and just get out of the house. Right. And then it is sort of the the next couple of years were a bit muddled. I I opened this studio and it sort of took me further away from what my intention was in the beginning. So, but there was one day, the definitive kind of day there where I kind of put the two together was there was a young man in Newmarket who was killed and there was I think he was crossing the street and was hit by a car. And uh, so there was all these fundraisers popping up to support his family because I think that his mother had passed away not that long before. So it was his dad and his brother who were left. And it, as it does, like you, you meet these certain situations or people where it really connects to your heart. And I wanted to reach out and, and be a part of the fundraising. So started a um, yoga-thon where donations from classes went to the family. So I went about planning it and everything, and it it went well, and we raised a bit of money for the family. And then later that week, and you'll understand this, Jade, um, the universe just spoke to me, and it was just a light bulb that went off. And I'm like, why am I not doing this? Right. <laughs> like, Wake up. You're not where you're supposed to be. <laughs> right. Like, of course. <laughs> and at first it was more, it's really kind of morphed. I mean, on one one hand, people are very comfortable telling me about their experiences. Um, right. They always have been. They just, you know, I can be standing in the lobby of a funeral home and Somebody will come up and tell me about their time on Juno Beach and how they got shot in the leg and, you know, all this stuff and, like, incredible right. stories. Right. Where I'm kind of like, wow, okay. <laughs> um, and then I I come from an Ashtanga background, so I love, you know, flow and just kind of working it out. So I thought this is perfect. We'll just work the grief out, you know, really strong, strong flow. And the very first class I had turned completely restorative. A hundred percent. We didn't even didn't even get off the mat. And when I realized that first day is that people just need to breathe. Yeah. They just, you know, and again, it comes back to the way our society is structured. You know, you get maybe three days off for the death of an immediate family member, and um, and then you have to go right back at it. Right. You know, and then which is you're left to me. 
it's insane. I mean, logistically, all the stuff you have to do um, on top of actually grieving. Right, like you're speaking in terms of grieving is one thing and to have three days off off of work, but you still have to live and take care of yourself and, and all that's going to take time and emotional energy and, and stuff. It's almost like you're human and it's just you and your you know your job or your career or you know whatever it is you do for a living. It's like there's not a lot of consideration for for other aspects of healing and life in general. You know what I mean? Like you still have to keep the show going. And so 3 days to do that is is you know to me it's hard for me to understand how that can how that can be considered adequate yeah exactly and and i mean on top of like if you're in charge of a, an estate or if you have to clean up your parents apartment or house or right. you know or even offer to support to another family member who has to do that i mean it's, right. you know there's all this stuff that we have to unwind from that we just don't aren't given an opportunity to and then our body, our body um, internalizes all of our experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> um, and if we're not given an opportunity to release that from our body, then that's when, you know, things start to happen, like you start to get sick. Um, you start to develop anxiety and depression. You know, you're, you're shorter with your family. You're shorter at work. You, you're, you know, you're angry or or whatever, however you're internalizing it, whatever your body's telling you, it's got to come out somewhere. And that's that's the beauty of you, of yoga, you know? Things like yoga is great to kind of fill in the gaps of like what's going on when you're, you know, you're grieving, you know, if you've got family to deal with, work to deal with, you know, other responsibilities, business, you know, just like you said, estate responsibilities, whatnot. And then, you know, to have that, quiet spot the quiet moment when you can lay on a mat and kind of dip into the subconscious if you will and dip into like inside and really start that healing process internally as well like that's where yoga seems to be best for my, my idea of that yeah and i think too it's very important what you said about people need a, a space to breathe and I think a lot of people aren't even aware that they need a space to breathe until they get you know what I mean like until they get there or they're given that opportunity but I think you know the 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 amount that we're even offered that space is quite limited so to, so for you to offer a space where people can come and just breathe and it's not so much about you know people have a misconception that yoga is about being flexible and, and being fit and, and all that and, and some of those are, are, are added benefits but I like I know from my own like personal walk with yoga and stuff that my mental health benefits and, and my mm-hmm. mindfulness benefits are so huge and, and and so huge in comparison to to you know like the physical the physical aspects that I get from that. And so just allowing people to to have that space and when you're in that quiet space a lot of stuff can bubble up to the surface like people cry in my yoga classes all all the time the classes that I go to and they're like I don't even know where this is coming from and you know what I mean it's just like that's how I know okay you're in that we're in that space and then we can all be real here together and just take a moment to take the mask off and really get in touch with what I'm feeling how I feel about this and I think you know to have that centered around grief and, and understanding all that and sitting with the reality of all that is a really, really beautiful opportunity that not a lot of people 
um, have. So for you to for for you to offer that face to somebody, like t- to me, there's nothing there's nothing better than that. It's so beneficial. And then they're prepared to go back out there and be, you know, a good parent to their kids and be functional at work and be loving and compassionate towards other people because they've they've taken that time to, you know, allow all those things for themselves. Absolutely. And and to touch on your point, that's that's exactly it. Any yoga can can help with that. You know, whatever it 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 can help with whatever you're struggling with. And I think that that's always been the, the draw to yoga for me too. You you feel yourself filling up and you need to release it somehow. Yeah. Um, I mean, my classes are, are specific to grief because um, it's a, it's also a place where we can sit and talk and connect with people in similar situations. Um, and nobody has to be afraid of crying or saying something silly or bringing someone down and uh and it's it's really interesting too that i'm finding that um the more also so we've we've come away from as a society from the earth we've also come away i think a lot from the church um there aren't as many church communities so right. i feel the people that i come in contact with too are grasping for where does this all fit mm-hmm. spiritually yeah and uh, yeah. and you know I I love teaching people about their third eye about their intuition because it's really interesting. The funeral is when usually your visitations happen, you know, or signs happen, and we see them because it's so raw. I find just from talking to people in the funeral home for so many years, it's usually the day of the first visitation and or the day of the funeral that something have, will happen that you'll. They have experiences, yeah. They, you know, dad put a balloon in my path that said I love you, you know. Or you see butterflies, a group of butterflies in the winter or, you know, whatever whatever the sign is. And then, you know, people are usually understanding about that around the funeral and think it's kind of cool. But then we kind of lose that and go and into just space. Of, after that, <laughs> you know, yeah, people are yeah. more... No, they're more judgmental outside. It's like when somebody's grieving, it's like, okay, you know, I'll let that person believe that. But then after, if yeah. it's like two months or three months after that, they're like, oh, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, you know. They don't, <laughs> it, it kind of cuts off that, you know, it can only happen for this small block of time. And then after that, yeah. and I, I think to nurture that, and, you know, we've talked about that before on the podcast about people believing believing what they need to, you know, what they need to believe and what's helping them and and to be able to not shut down other people's beliefs about spirituality, about, you know, their loved ones being on the other side, about dreams, which is about, you know, what the podcast is all about and, you know, do they believe their visitations and stuff. And so just really allowing people to be who who they need to be is is really, really important. And I think, you know, for somebody like you in allowing, in being so connected with the the industry, you know, for lack of a better term, um, you can really offer that space, you know, to people to, you're not going to say, you know, that's, that sounds crazy or, or anything like that. And it it helps people so much when you're, when you have acceptance. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody wants to feel crazy. (laughs) No, Um, don't. (laughs) It's a, and that's been a, a real journey for me too, since I stopped working in the funeral home, I've been able to sort of process a bit process and also learn um when i started 
um, working more in the yoga world, um, I, I met some amazing, amazing people. Karen Stromos, who's a, an intuitive medium. I, I always call her Oprah, who can talk to dead people, because just uh, she's she, she's an amazing life coach, and she just has taught me so much about my own intuition. And looking back growing up in my life, I've always been connected to energies. I got to a point when I was 25 thinking I was afraid of the dark because I would I would be in the dark and I would feel those energies, but it would scare me because I didn't know or understand what it was. So for me, it's been, it's been a really interesting journey just figuring and listening to my own intuition in that sense too. That's great to hear. And that's the, essentially uh, some of the stuff that we love to talk about. On, on that note, we actually also like to ask the question about loss. Have you had loss in your life? And like, how has that impacted you? Yeah, um, I've had uh, I've had a great deal of loss actually, and um, not not for about ten years. So I'm grateful and thankful for that. <laughs> but um, yeah, my my I mean, my grandfather, my first grandfather died when I was seven. My dad's cousin was not long after that. My I had a good friend in high school um, who died when I was sixteen. He was seventeen. My own cousin passed away when we were eighteen. Um, that one was a really hard one. My I'm, all of my grandparents are gone now, and it's it's interesting to see, I guess, the progression in my own grieving. Like I'm just a puddle. Like when stuff happens, I'm just I. There's no like I'm just you know I'm just a, a puddle on the floor, you know. Because um, and I tell people this, it, it's it's a physical loss too. Um, because we're all connected energetically, um, you feel that physical absence of the person's presence, um, and that's a real thing. And so for me, it's it's very, it's it's hard, and I cry a lot, and I'm useless sometimes. <laughs> um, but other times, you know, I step up and I can help my family as well. And now it's, you know, now I'm. I'm still sad at times for the loss, for them not being here. Sometimes I, I really uh, ache to hear their voice. And it, I find it at milestones, you know, like, you know, what would what would my Baba say? You know, I'm 35 now. What, my, what would my Baba say about my girls or how I'm doing or, um, you know, just life in general, those, those wisdoms that you maybe didn't get before. But on the other side of it, too, I, I talk to them and, and hear them all the time. You know, whether it's a smell that reminds me of, of one of them or my cousin, I call him my car buddy. <laughs> so he always shows up when I'm driving, um, usually by myself. At his funeral, he was a big Tragically Hip fan. It was, yeah, it was amazing. We were, we there was the hip albums playing throughout the uh, the visitation and, and funeral. That's so um, cool. I love that. So, uh, so when I'm having a hard time and I'm driving and I'm just, you know, asking for whatever it is I need, usually what happens is a hip song comes on the radio randomly and I can feel my cousin sitting there in the passenger seat. And so they all, they all still have a presence in my life and it's very specific, but it's something you have to look for and pay attention to and nurture. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting process. I think it's very important too that you mention that you're a puddle and like I really admire that because as some people get more educated in grief and, and whatever, I think it's expected sometimes for you to be almost um, super logical about it and super, 
You know what I mean? Sometimes people can be re- removed from the whole experience, and that can be really intimidating towards people that are grieving because they may feel like, oh, she's, you know, she's under, she's understanding, she understands this, she's prepared for this. And so I think you connecting with, and you talking about connecting with your emotions through grief is really important because it's like if you know as much as you know and you're as far as you as you are, um, speaking in terms of, you know, being educated about grief and loss and, and you know, funerals and all that stuff, it's, it's, it's important because nobody's, nobody's ever too, too educated or too experienced to not feel, you know, like the emotional aspects of it. So I think it makes things more, it allows other, you know, other people to see that. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's just, yeah. do you guys know what I, do you guys know what I mean by that? Like it's allowing other people to say, oh, like, you know, she's, she's crying, so it's okay, it's okay for me to feel sad or it's okay for me to be a puddle too and i think that's really important i would just i'm just saying like i think those are extreme emotions during loss and and you know tragedy and death so we're if we're not faced with it all the time with what comes out can be a little surprising and sometimes shocking so being a puddle can be a little off for some people uncomfortable so if you're there and you're the puddle then they're like oh hey you know, obviously this person has been through this process, has seen this process, and we can feel normal again. That's that's essentially what I took from what you said, Jade. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think I think people do need permission sometimes to to let go. I mean, listen, the, it's all emotions, and this whole human experience is is all about emotions and feeling that. I think what people struggle with with grief is is trying not to feel it, actually. And and that has um, a very damaging effect because, again, it just gets pushed down further in our chakras, in our, in our body, um, and you can't avoid it. I mean, death is the great unifier, right? Like, we're all... Yes, for sure. We're all... You can't... There's nobody who hasn't been touched by it. There's cultures out there that do it, you know, in in certain ways where, I mean, I was just reading about some Latin American cultures, you know, every year they celebrate the loss of their loved ones, you know, and so it's a year process, you know, and so again, we, we talk about being a community, being a tribe where, you know, we'd like to get into some of those things where we're, you know, remembering, you know, and you do a good job with that too, right? You're remembering in the car, you're remembering as the snow falls. That's important. You know, that's, that's, you know cathartic if you will oh it's completely cathartic yeah absolutely i mean i think the in my in my personal opinion i think the worst thing you can do is not talk about someone who's who's passed away because again it goes back to that veil it it goes back to the hiding about trying to protect but how can someone live without you celebrating their accomplishments like just anything (laughs) You know, whatever whatever they've done, just the fact that they've lived is enough to talk about them. That's right. And you're right. Other cultures, I mean, uh, there's so many. I mean, my own culture, um, my my mom's side is Ukrainian, so Ukrainian Catholic, uh, Catholic Ukrainian, so Byzantine, so it's somewhere in between Orthodox and Roman Catholic. But all of our funerals are open casket and do the, the, the file by at the end so you walk by the casket and you say your final goodbyes and there are some cultures that don't even have a body present and 
I might even qualify that more. I think I think more in our society because we only get the three days off and because people like to kind of forget about it. Um, it's kind of turned into that, okay, let's just cremate them and we'll do the memorial service when we can all get together kind of thing. Right. Um, and, you know, I think it's a good question too. Would the people choose that if they had, do you know what I mean, if there was more leniency in, 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 in terms of compensation, you know, paid time off, things of that nature, would people still do it the way that, that they've been doing it? You know what I mean? If if if, if they're allowed that that extra time. And I think that's really an interesting, you know, consideration. It's almost like we've been forced into dealing with grief and death in a certain way, you know, just based on what the restrictions and stuff are. Mm, absolutely. And it can even, even go farther to, you know, financial, you know. I mean, if you... I mean, the cost of living compared to what you can afford to take off compared to what a funeral costs and even the structure of our, you know, we're such a debt-focused society that not, not many people have that rainy day fund that you can dip into if you need to pay for a funeral while you're waiting for Canada Pension to come in. You know, like it, it, it yeah. just, we've we've wrapped ourselves up into this crazy crazy ball that it's hard to get out of absolutely yeah and also you know we are a diverse you know country and city toronto gta what have you and also vancouver and bc so a lot of people who are you know from other countries you know they kind of have to on their own dime you know take off and go and that's fine companies allow that but at the same time you know they, they don't get paid so they're mm. going to someone's funeral rushing back so you know that's another aspect um so channeling my inner josh josh joshua black have you had any dreams of the your loss um i have yeah um and knowing what i know now about um grief dreams i i think i've had one actual visitation and that was my cousin and it was uh it was a year or two maybe after he passed away so it was probably close to and 15 years, uh, closer to 15 years ago, um, and it was it was really interesting. It was uh, just him and I, I think, in our 18-year-old selves at our old public school, mm-hmm. and it was incredibly vivid. Like just, you know, I I can still see what he was wearing, um, in you know, the surroundings and where we were at the school, and I don't think we even talked. Um, which was kind of typical of our, our relationship. He was kind of more of a, a quiet guy. But we were just spending time together. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. That give you relief? Because uh, it was like a year after. So I'd be curious to know, like, you know, you never really had a visitation during that first year. But then after you kind of had that, you know, was there some relief or some sort of buildup of angst before that? It was a really hard time that I was going through um, after he passed away because we were we were more like brother and sister, like we grew up together. So it was really more like my brother died. So it was when I look back at that time, it was sort of mostly black, you know, in my memory. So I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you before or after. I think I woke up and kind of was like, oh, that was interesting. <laughs> But I was still very much in that mindset of uh, I didn't understand and didn't understand necessarily what it was. Right. And looking back now, I know um, from working with Karen, the intuitive medium, that 
you know, she describes grief dreams as only there would only be, or a visitation dream as there would only be someone who's passed away there. Like there wouldn't be a mix um, and the vividness, that sort of thing. So I, now I hold it very dear to my heart because it's a very cool thing to happen, especially knowing more about his energy because he's incredibly quiet. So he doesn't show himself in a lot of ways either. Glad you had that dream. Um, yeah. the, the next dream, the next question we like to talk about is uh, if you could have a dream uh, tonight, what, what would that dream be about? That's a good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a difficult question sometimes to answer. <laughs> it is. Um, uh, you know, probably about my baba, uh, my grandmother. She, um, she and I had a very special um, relationship. And her death was very hard for me, even though she hadn't spoken for two years. She had Alzheimer's. We knew it was coming. Yeah, I, I, I miss, I miss her. I think sometimes the most. So, where, where would the setting be? Would it be in, in the house at uh, her house? Hmm. Are you setting me up to have a grief dream tonight? <laughs> <laughs> you might be. <laughs> I'll email you tomorrow. <laughs> please do. Please do. <laughs> Um, you know what? It in in her house that that I grew up in before um, before they sold it. That that was one of my favorite places to be with her. Yeah, well, I can imagine so a lot of there. festivities and you know, parties and food and a lot of good memories. Yeah, and it was a, it was a very comforting place. Um, like I said, we had a very very special. I mean, I'm I'm one of ten grandchildren, so wow. Um, she yeah, she had uh, she had enough to go around, but. Um, yeah, we spent a lot of nice times together. So, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna kind of cop out on this a bit too, because again, like I, I, I don't generally hold the the day to day belief that if I could go back and do something over, or you know, what what, what would it be, or yeah. you know, I, I do, I do connect with them at least a couple of times a week, you know. Right. Um, actually, you know, it's funny because <laughs> now that I say this, um, and you asked me that question. My my Baba's house pictures of it, like images in my head, has kind of been popping into my head the last couple of days. So, so maybe that's that's what that's about. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll let you know. And, and if you do, email us and let us know. Yeah, um, absolutely. So before we wrap up, can you just let people know uh, if you have like social media handles and how they can get a hold of you if they're interested in your services or if they just want to chat, um, <laughs> how they might be able yeah. to get a hold, like your website and, and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, <clears throat> excuse me, I have um, I have an online program on my website now, um, theheartshealing.me. Okay. Um, and I, I also actually have a free Facebook uh, support group. So you can find me on Facebook, um, facebook.com backslash heartshealingyoga. Okay, that's my Facebook page, and from there they can um, either message me or uh, find the link to the um, online support page. Perfect, amazing. That's thank you for sharing that. That's a great resource for people who are interested in knowing more about what you do and and what you offer. Thank you for asking. <laughs> no problem. It's been great having you. What an what a fascinating topic. I think it's fascinating and. Um, learn a lot about, you know, what's available and, and it's really exciting to me that we're having more and more resources pop up for people to deal with grief in a holistic way and to not view 
um, it so much as the the end, you know, like um, filled with doom, but more as an opportunity, like you said, to unify us and to help us m- move forward with more appreciation and love, you know, and gratitude for mm-hmm. the things that, the moments that we experience with our loved ones and, and our, our memories of them. And I think it's really beautiful that, that more and more services and resources like, like the ones you offer are popping up. And I just think it's amazing, you know, that people have more options to deal with their grief. It's, it's um, really promising. And um, I hope, I hope who, who, whoever listens to this that might feel like, you know, you could be of assistance to them um, will definitely reach out to you. Absolutely, and I appreciate it so much uh, for being on. Thank you so much. It was it was lovely talking to you guys. Yeah, th- thanks a lot, Jen. And you know, just like Jade said, she she said it best. You know, you, you, the work you're doing and people like you to kind of promote that grief uh, awareness aspect and give have outlets and channels for people to go to. That's you know where when they need to um, and the healing process. Uh, and we want to talk about it. We want to communicate more. Um, so thank you so much for uh, being with us today. If you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams Facebook group. Uh, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Grief Dreams. And uh, you can find this podcast and our others on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and many other podcasting platforms that I'm not aware of. So <laughs> we like to end our show with sending out love and gratitude into the universe. So that's what we'll do with love and gratitude from us to you. Thank you. Introduce myself, you have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.